this is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. Back to the Gold Jacket Podcast with me, your host as always, Gymnastic, and with me as always is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, man, how you been? I've been, I've been great, man. I, I've been excited for this episode for a little while, so I, I cannot wait to get this party started. Again, we had the lag. How long did you have to wait? Yeah, I'm like, how long did you have to wait this time? <laughs> the lag was like, you know, five or six seconds. Uh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We're getting used to it. If you joined for perfect. flawless production, you will not get that at the Gold Jacket podcast. But we are pumped today because we have an awesome guest coming on. We are we are in the on the in the studio with royalty today. We have the uh, creator of CNBCL, co-creator of Viridian Global, and a co-host of one of the many weekly in-season True North Fantasy Football podcasts, the Jet Sweep Show. This is, of course, Will Harris at its Harris time on Twitter. Will, what's up? Hey Connor, man! Thanks for that intro. It's great to be rocking with you and Jim. It's it's been a while, boys. I've uh, I've missed you. You know, lots been lots been going on. Haven't been on the mic a ton in the last, let's call it six months. But what better place to do it than with the uh, Gold Jacket Pod? Pumped to be here and talk a little talk a little dynasty, man. And I love the how to series that you guys are doing. Thanks, man. We we thought it was a good idea. And then last week we were talking and we were like, man, we haven't even done a how to dynasty. Like, how did we not start with how to dynasty? Like what we pride ourselves on. And we decided to do it later. When when you guys threw that idea out there, I, I secretly just wanted to be on the show to learn some stuff from you because I'm pretty, you know, I'm about three, four, three or four years into Dynasty. I'm just all kidding aside. It's uh, it's really important and to to have a space where people feel welcome and you can talk in terms that uh, make people feel uh, comfortable. Right? It's really important because it can be a big jump. You know, even if you're a seasoned office league player or seasoned uh, season long player. Dynasty is a whole other realm, right? And, you know, as as Dynasty players, like we all are, I think the more people that get involved, the more people that see how much fun it is, the better it is for fantasy football, the sport, right? Yeah, and I think it's also really a good idea to just share opinions from time to time. Like, because there is no how-to Dynasty show that's going to be the same because there is no Dynasty that is run the same. So it's always good to share opinions and, and to, to kind of talk it out and learn from each other, for sure. Um, but before we move forward, you have graciously allowed us to give away a, a spot in the CNBBCL. We have yet yes. to decide on a competition because we were in the middle of giving away 8 by 10s of Jonathan Taylor and T. Higgins, which we will do Amazing. at the point of the show. But uh, maybe just before we get into the show and before we come up with a contest and start promoting it, let us let the listeners know what is CMBBCL? What 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 does it stand for? Why did you create sure. it? And then that that'll get people hyped up to enter whatever contest we decide to put forth. Yeah. 
Absolutely, guys, and yeah, thanks for thanks for giving away a spot. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, there's not many left, but I want to make sure that you guys had one. You've been a big supporter of the league from the very beginning, which means a lot to me and the league. So the CNBBCL is a Canadian National Best Ball Champions League, and it is the, it is Canada's national best ball championship. We're the only we're the one of one here, and. It started last year, you know, this Canadian fantasy football community has came together and has, uh, has united through Twitter. You know, I give Trav and Ty and uh, yourselves a lot, of, a lot of credit for that. And it started off as a conversation. We were going through the beginning of COVID there. Everybody had a lot of downtime and there was a lot. Dude, man, back in the day, we were flying like 2,000, 3,000 messages back and forth every single day. Like it was... It was insane. Probably all of our wives thought we were having affairs or, <laughs> or, or something, but I just, I thought, you know what, let's do just, let's just do something small. Um, let's do a league. Let's do like a super flex best ball league, uh, tight end premium because you don't have a lot of that out there on the market. And then the first division filled up and the second one, it's like, okay, well, this is, we've got something here. And um, then it quickly turned into, okay, well, why don't we do some good, out of this league as well. And it quickly, you know, it took two seconds for everybody to say, yeah, let's do something for charity. And what is cool about the CNBBCL is that every single participant is playing for a different charity, which is, which is really, really cool. And it's, you know, what's interesting to see is just, you know, different parts of the country, what people will, um, what charity they want to play for, who do they want to donate to. And we raised over $1,000 last year from from our entries and also people uh, donating, which was fantastic. We had sponsorship from Monkey Knife Fight, from Trophy Smack, from Breakout Finder, from True North Fantasy Football, from my company, Viridian Global. And, you know, it really brought together this community and it was, you know, it was themed uh, tragically trailer park. So there was some uh, awesome, hilarious names um, for American for our American brothers and sisters. Tragically Hip is like one of the most iconic rock bands up here that nobody outside of Canada has ever heard of. And the trailer park, the trailer park boys are probably bigger to um, Americans than what than what the tragically hip are so that was a theme and everybody got really excited you know we got the banners created and logos created and everybody got really into it and you know the entire time um we were we were doing good and i was really happy that um our first winner grady sass who um who won the tournament his charity that he was playing for was hockey for youth and hockey for youth is a charity that helps uh canadians that have just came to the country kids uh specifically uh play hockey and for for those of the, us in canada we understand how culturally how important that aspect of community is like playing hockey is a big thing in in our in our younger years and even as even as you get older it's a great way to socialize make make friends and get integrated into the community so we're really happy that that grady's um Grady's charity was uh, was hockey for youth and was really happy to make a donation on Grady's behalf to that charity. And the remainder went to um, KMH here for mental health and uh, and addiction research. So, you know, year one under our belt, um, the entire season, people reaching out and saying, hey, man, I want to get involved. I really want to get involved. And, you know, we're looking at probably really close to 100 teams for, for year two. And 
we got some great sponsors lined up, some great prizes. And just again, we're going to give back. We've, we've had donations open for less than a week. We're already at seven hundred over $700 and we're shooting for $2,000. I'm pretty confident that from our donations, from our community alone, that we'll get there. And who knows, maybe some, we'll get some corporate sponsorship as well to kind of top us up and, and match what we're donating. So really exciting there. And Hey guys, I got to say like, Thanks for all your support from the very get-go. I mean, when this was just an idea, you know, something in my head, you guys were on board, you're right behind me, and I've been a huge supporter of the league from the very beginning. So thank thank to thanks to both of you and to the to the podcast, the Gold Jack podcast, for for being such a big supporter. Thank you for that. No problem. And if I'm Man. not mistaken, over your shoulder is is the trophy that never leaves your house. If I'm not mistaken, but it's it's cool to have the honor of knowing that you won a trophy that's gonna sit in Will Harris's house for the rest of our lives. <laughs> we, Connor, we like to call it the Canadian National Best Ball Champions League's headquarters, um, and 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 not its Harris Times office. Um, it's just a logistical thing. Like it's just you'll get a nameplate on it and uh, some uh, really cool championship ring that's yours to keep from Trophy Smack. Trophy Smack again is going to be our partner and uh, uh, one of our sponsors for 2022. So you get a little memento. And hey, if you're in Ontario, I'll let you. I'll let you take it for a couple of days. Just just like the Stanley Cup, right? That's just it's just like that. Just don't leave it on the side of the road, changing the tire. <laughs> hey man, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what happens to it as long as it gets back in one piece. Then, hey, do, do whatever you want. Yeah, it turned into uh, on the side of the road. Uh, it was a flower pot once too, right? Like, there's been some pretty iconic stories with uh, with the cup for sure. I love it. That is awesome, um, Jim. Anything you want to add uh, about any of uh, Will's what Will has said before we get right into the how to dynasty? I think a hundred teams is absolutely fantastic. I didn't know. I did not know that. That is absolutely fantastic, brother. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. What were we last year? Well, was it 42, 42, 42. Yeah. So it's, it's growing and uh, who know who knows? I mean, it's, I keep getting people. You feel bad. People from outside of Canada really want to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we want well, to, we're, we're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know, about being Canadian though, we want to be as inclusive as possible. So I'm mulling over ideas for, for next year. We'll see what happens, but for right now it's purely, it's a Canadian championship and it's cool. You can say, Hey, I'm the, I'm the best ball champion in Canada, right? Like that's pretty yeah. cool. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, I love it. I think that it's an absolutely awesome cause. So now, are we ready to get into how to dynasty, Jim? Yeah, guys, I got I to learn. Absolutely. I got to learn how to. I got to learn how to play dynasty at some point. So I, I was gonna. Tonight. I was gonna direct <laughs> the first question to you, Will. But if we're teaching you, then I think the first question is going right over <laughs> to Jim because if there is anybody who is the wisest at this, it, it'll be Jim. Jim, give us the simplest definition of what is dynasty. All right, so. Dynasty, unlike season long, right? You're taking it in for the long haul. You're trying to exactly that, build a dynasty. You're trying to be like the New England Patriots. Uh, hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs coming in, right? Like that, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to build a team that competes year in, year out, four championships and uh, for first place, right? And like 
that's what you're trying to do. Um, some leagues are different, but like you know, season long, you're just you're in it for the season dynasty. You're in it until the league dissolves, right? Hopefully, it's 20, 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I like to call it like the ultimate keeper league because that's pretty much what it is. It's because you keep literally everything everybody and then you go and you draft the rookies and you build you're trying to build the dynasty exactly like you said you're trying to build the next be the next bill belichick but literally using just your your fantasy knowledge and your the players and your knowledge of the players so um anything you want to add to that will to help define dynasty yeah I, th- I think that you guys nailed it it is really you know especially if you're doing a startup it's your it's the closest thing that you'll get to being a gm too right like that's kind of the cool thing you get to build your team how you want you get to ex- experiment with um, different kind of draft strategies every year you get a chance to impact uh, your team right which is which is really really cool a move that you make in week one of your first dynasty season, let's say it's a waiver wire pickup, might pay dividends the next week or it might not pay dividends until four or five um, five weeks down the road or maybe it's two or three years. So that's really cool. What I learned about dynasty really, really quickly was every move matters, right? Like season long, you know what? You can, you can literally pick up players. You can trade for players for one week of production and you're over and done with in dynasty you don't have that luxury a move like that um a short-sighted move like that can really really hurt you in in the long run with uh with dynasty moves so everything it's like a it's like that stone in the pond there's that ripple effect across the entire pond that you'll continue to feel for months and years after you make a move which is both good and potentially bad definitely good and potentially bad the, the the thing about dynasties like you, people talk about overpaying or, or underpaying or buying low, selling high, you know, all these different ideas that come with how you're building your roster. But I personally don't see it as any of that. I don't think that you could ever buy, like you th- might think you're buying somebody low, but that's just somebody's perception. Everybody has a completely so, different perception of how dynasty goes and of buying the players you want to buy, why you're buying those players and why at the price that you're buying them at. Before we came on the air, we were talking about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and the debate between those two and who do you want kind of thing. And and sometimes you look at value. Sometimes you look at coach. There's so many different aspects that people will look at that to make a decision on a player or a move or what you want to do in, in dynasty. And, and that's, I think that's the thing that makes things dynasty so exciting is all the different ideas, all the different perceptions and everything that you have to look at. And somebody could think Urban Meyer is probably going to be the best coach in the NFL. And then there's some people who are going to be like, Urban Meyer is going to destroy the Jaguars and ruin Trevor Lawrence. It's so polar opposites, but there's going to be those people who are going to buy Lawrence and take that risk. And there's going to be the people who are going to leave Lawrence out there and say, I'm okay because I don't need him. I think I can do better somewhere else because the landscape changes every single year in dynasty. Yeah. And they, and the one, you know, what's really interesting about what you said, Connor is I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Perception and value is going to be different. What's really interesting about dynasty versus season long, you know, um, especially if you're doing it for high stakes on like FFPC, where you might not know the people that you're playing against with dynasty, 
you start learning the other GM's tendencies, where they gravitate towards too, right? So there's that other level of strategy and gamemanship that you get out of Dynasty because, you know, in year two or three of a Dynasty, you can look at your rookie draft and say, hmm, I can almost guarantee that Jimmy is going to take like four quarterbacks. <laughs> and Connor is... Connor is going to take any eagle that is in the that has a first round valuation. I'm just making up examples, but that is another level of dynasty that you that you get right is that gamemanship and understanding who you're playing against because you can see patterns over time. Maybe not in year one, but in year two and year three, you can start saying, "Okay, I know I know what these guys and girls are going to do. I'm going to plan accordingly." And two, this this is um, this is where. I know Jimmy is a prolific trader and he's really good at it, but you can also play to people's um, strengths and their weaknesses in terms of trading. And you can acquire assets and build assets through trade that, you know, in a season long, you just really don't have the opportunity to because the cycle is so short. Absolutely. There's a lot of, there's one big thing I noticed with dynasty is like people's like you guys have touched on at evaluations. I call them flag planters and like, my aspect is, listen, once you draft a player, I don't care where you've drafted them. If you drafted them to 102 in a rookie draft, great. Uh, doesn't week matter. Three, week four, that does not matter to me. His valuation is what I'm going to give to, but I find in Dynasty, uh, people hold on to that. They're like, I got to get this value back off of them because it is the long term. It's not just season long, right, where it's just you can toss them and get rid of it, and it's playing to win this year and this year only, where Dynasty – you do have that value in them, so you do want to get them. And I think that's like a big, big mistake that uh, I, I find a lot of people. It's this. Yeah, it's a sunk fallacy cost. cost. Yeah, sunk yeah. sunk cost fallacy, right? And it's, I thankfully, I guess I, I don't know why I've never been plagued with that. If if the stock is plummeting or if the stock is high, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't care who that player is or where I drafted them. I'm always trying to cap out at the max value and buy at the absolute lowest. It's more of, you know, for me, it's more of uh, an economic play than, than anything else. It's, I, can love, I can love a player. Like today, I'll give you guys an example. Nico, um, Nico Collins and Darnell Mooney, love them both. Think they've got a lot, of, a lot of upside. But when somebody comes at you and offers you Cortland Sutton for the two of them, um, I don't care about love, you know. I'm going to take the best player available at that time, even though both of those players, you know what? I think that they've got great potential, but what, what do I need for that team right now? Cortland Sutton for a championship team makes a lot more sense than Darnell Mooney and Nico Collins. And I'm buying, I'm buying Sutton probably at an all time low. Whereas the, um, the hype for Mooney um, because that Ramsey clip just continues to roll every single every single day and his the thing about the thing about Mooney and Collins is their best game might be the game that they never play right and that's the other thing about dynasty they have to understand is that hey sometimes when that hype train is at its absolute max and before they've ever played a meaningful game of football might be when their value is highest I know it's crazy but on the flip side of that you could also miss out on a you know a potential WR1 but that's that's the kind of that's the kind of risk that you've got to take in order to be successful in in dynasty and acquire assets and players that will help you win championships. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's only so many roster spots on a given week, too, if you're going to live and die by five or six guys on your roster who potential, potential, and all you say is there's a potential, I won't trade them because of the potential. That could be a guy that never sees the light of day on your your Sunday roster or your Thursday roster, Sunday roster, wherever so that they're going to so play. True. Yeah, so, hoarding, ho hoarding Mike Boone and uh, mm -hmm. Brian Hill and Justice Hill for the last four years hasn't done a lot for me and my dynasty teams, right? And I, I find the another one too is Superflex, the quarterback. People love the quarterback, but I've seen some leagues where people go and they'll hoard five or six quarterbacks, put them all on the open market, and everyone's like, we know you can't play them all. We know that price tag either yeah. has to come down or we'll let you sit on all those quarterbacks because eventually you're going to need pieces, you're going to want pieces, and you're going to be willing to trade a bit lower. But at the time, if you have a guy who goes and drafts Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, I, I was in a league, someone drafted Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and they had Patrick Mahomes and stuff. It's like you can only wow. start two of them on a given week, and then he puts them all on the market, and we're just everybody's just sitting there like, no, we'll wait. Yeah. Eventually, you, you'll have to move. You'll want a piece from us, and you'll become a bit more reasonable about it. Horton especially quarterbacks and super flex is definitely not necessarily the direction to go. Jim might have an opinion on this. I've seen, it, I've seen it work though. I've seen it work. It just depends. So like you got to weather the storm and you got to be able to <clears throat> a, I'm going to bounce all a little bit over the she here. So you got to be able to a, be able to acquire these quarterbacks in your startup draft and then B be able to roll enough depth to make it into your first rookie draft. And build your team from there because then you can start end up playing on you don't actually need the guys you have depth and when you're going to be able to make a playoff push these other teams are going to come knocking on your door and that's when they're going to ask perfect example i was in a triple flex league last year rolling into the playoffs i had my quarterback go down lost his job i ended up scrambling gave uh i think it was a second rounder for alex smith knowing full well it was a rental for the playoffs and the playoffs only that's the price you got to pay that was for alex smith now the problem and the problem I was having from last year is like guys like Drew Locke where I could end up selling and I thought was too low was actually the high point because now you're not even going to get those offers for Drew Locke now. Chance he's not even going to start week one. That's the difference between the strategy of it. But I want to bounce around. I want to ask you, Connor, um, bringing this up. How do you take a startup strategy draft opposed to differentiate between like a rookie draft? How do you take those differently or do you? No, you, you definitely you definitely have to take them differently because they are different things. In a rookie draft, I find you're you're more draft, and it's there's an often said that you're drafting for for need because when you, once you're in the rookie draft, you you know you have your roster laid out, you know what you need, you know what you're looking for. So you're either going for need, or I find you're going for value. Because if you can get someone who you can flip for more than what you invested in them, so say you invested. A big guy is Kadarius Tony that has a, had a lot of talk this year. You might be able to get him in the late second and flip him for multiple seconds, or turn him into a first if you if the timing's right on it and stuff. And so I think there is definitely a, a very different strategy that goes into it because then when you're looking at your actual draft, when you're drafting for a startup, you're 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 looking more at drafting as the draft has come fallen into place, what you need at that time to fill out your roster. I, I prefer more of a balanced approach. Whereas I know that there's like 
the robust RB, the zero RB. There's all these different strategies. There's a guy who goes heavy on quarterbacks and grabs three quarterbacks in the first three rounds, worries about the rest down the road. Um, but you kind of want to figure out your strategy of what type of team you want to build and what type of players you want to have. So it, when you're drafting in the rookie, it's definitely for value or need based on what you drafted against on your startup draft. Um, Will, I don't know, Do you? what do you have to add as far as strategy for startup versus rookie? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, you touched on a lot of great points. For me, I roster construction is is secondary i'm just always chasing the value the value 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 and i've been in i've been in drafts and jimmy's talked me through the uh, robust quarterback strategy in in superflex and you know if your league mates that you're drafting with in a startup let you to continue to draft quarterbacks because that's where the value is falling because they have pushed the value of quarterback down because they're not drafting I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm also going to take advantage of that with RBs, with, with wide receivers, with tight ends. It doesn't matter if their name isn't Travis Kalti or George Kittle or I guess Kyle Pitts now. But if your draft mates are allowing you to go heavy on a position and there's value that continues to fall with you, I'm going to snap that up. I'm going to snap that up in uh, rookie drafts as well. I find that rookie drafts, though, the strategy differs a bit because it's easier to move, to be kind of liquid in those drafts, to move up, to move back in in a rookie draft. So I'm going to go where the where the value is, you know, in a in a in a position like in a rookie draft. If there's if it's like okay, I'm going to take my seventh wide receiver, or I can move back five spots and get some additional draft capital. Okay, I'm going to do that rather than just taking another wide receiver because it's the best player available. So I try to seek value. I find myself a little bit more uh, aggressive in in rookie drafts because it's a little bit more fluid. It's more liquid to be able to move from round to round than what a startup is. Absolutely. No, I agree with that point. Jim, what do you have to add as far as, as the differentiating between the two? I don't really – I'm like, Will, I kind of I try to maximize as much value as I possibly can. I try to – I also try to create runs in startup drafts. I don't try to chase runs in startup drafts. That's totally. something always try to be on the start of. Uh, as to Will saying, it's funny that you said this, where I, you wouldn't take your seventh wide receiver. You probably trade back and chase. I actually did this in a draft where I drafted pretty well um, throughout the course of the year. just didn't end up happening. But I acquired in the first two rounds like nine picks before 212 going in. So the only real contention on my team was was my starting wide receivers. They were like Michael Pittman, Jalen Rager, like they weren't the greatest wide receivers going in. So I had a start. I, my plan was to totally people were lowballing me on the picks. Nobody wants two hundred four. Nobody wants two hundred six. They don't like that value with them. But what they do want is Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and totally. those are the names that are going to go to those picks. So yeah. for me, I hit. Uh, seven wide receivers in that draft, knowing that's the only I one it. I needed as value, knowing I couldn't roster all these guys. Now I start flipping two, three of them for studs. I start flipping two of them for Julio Jones. I flipped two of them and a second rounder for Stefan Diggs. And I flipped, you know, another one for who else did I get? I think it was Mike Evans. But now my my wide receivers are Julio Evans and and uh, Diggs as my one, two, three, and a, and a start three. No one, I couldn't do it. 
Nobody wanted the value of those picks. Everybody wanted the namesake value once I took them. Though. That was the difference. And they never played a snap yet. Yeah. The value, the value of a name versus a number is massive, especially in rookie drafts. I think too, though, on the flip side of that, you know, who was I listening to? Um, the pod, the pod father, Matt Kelly is big on trading picks because, and again, I think it comes down to the draft room. People want the choice of being able to choose who they want. Whereas, you know, and I agree to it to a certain extent, but with, with what um, with what Jimmy just did in his draft, though, is he monopolized the position? He didn't even allow anybody else to take a wide receiver. So you were play like you own the market. You own the market on rookie wide receivers, right? And so it's it's really interesting, and that's why you know to have a concrete strategy going into every draft, it's not going to work for you. You can you can have a guideline of what you're going to do, but man, everybody has a draft plan until you get punched in the face and Jimmy takes seven wide receivers or you know, uh, four, four quarterbacks, it's, you gotta be liquid. You gotta be flexible with this. And Jimmy, I was in a, I was in FFPC draft and my, my starting wide receivers were Julio, uh, T Y Hilton, who else did I have? But it was like, I just kept acquiring the value from let's call it the one Oh six up until the three Oh one. So in that range, I, I hammered five wide receivers. Makes sense. What one of them's gonna hit? Hopefully, <laughs> that's, See, a, that that's was like, nobody thought I was gonna hit the wide receivers. People thought I would reach for the running backs. People thought I was gonna reach for the quarterbacks that were falling. I'm set there. That was it. I was going for championship runs, and I knew what I needed. And these guys, and I put out the offers before. I put out the offers. This I got Julio before he was traded. I put out the offers before with two second rounders for Julio. I got laughed at those two second rounders end up becoming ASR, like the sun God and, and Tony, they get accepted. It was as simple as that. So like that, that's just how it goes. Right. And like, I'm not even the biggest fan of Kadarius Tony, but he's a first round wide receiver. Totally. So the value is there. And people always think pre-draft I found with the rookie drafts. I like acquiring picks too. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Thinking that you're going to get your guy. But when your guy doesn't fall, all of a sudden, now you now you start looking back at those offers, right, and coming and coming back at them. Everybody thinks that your guys are going to fall in in May and June, right? But then you you get into these things, and like you said, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face, right? And I'm going to take those. Yeah, obviously. I mean, and I also think that in rookie drafts, everything happens with like a lot of people are short sighted with how they react to a rookie draft. They see a name, they see a player. I think the, one of the biggest ones that I'm really not so sure on was there's a couple, um, Nico Collins and Amon Ross St. Brown are guys who that's a short sighted vision. If you're like, Oh, this guy's going to be a stud or whatever. You think that they're going to be big. Detroit is in a full rebuild. Houston's in a full rebuild. There is no, guarantee that these guys are there you're you're buying them for the opportunity but you should also be selling them for the opportunity as soon as they start getting it in season or before in season if you drafted them for the opportunity someone's offering way more than it's worth at the time you 100 do it because there's so many people who will just take the short-sighted opportunity and not look at the long-term picture and think like a manager think like you are actually playing football like you're a manager you're a coach you're bill belichick and you're looking at everything long term how often do we see the turnover of wide receivers how quickly does the turnover of people happen as soon as the next shiny object comes into play as an eagles fan 
all happens all the time. The quarterback position, oh my gosh, next shiniest object up, please. Like I, I'm surprised there's not more cry for Nick Mullins to start at quarterbacks right now. So, um, well, elite Joe Flacco, elite <laughs> Joe Flacco, come on. <laughs> exactly but like that that's the thing like it's just so short-sighted that you have to take advantage of that because there's no guarantee like Quintus Cephas was a thing before Amon Ross St. Brown do you all remember that Quintus Cephas was still a got thing. him on my taxi squad actually I remember <laughs> that's a that's a good place for him Jimmy yeah he's gonna go from taxi to drop if he doesn't do anything by week two <laughs> so oh, there's we- a name there's a name I haven't heard in a while man holy but the syphilis, the syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did kind of touch on it a little bit, but and, and we talked about the types of strategies, um, like robust RB, a balanced approach, no RB, um, the the guy who just takes the best player available. You know, what's your personal favorite strategy for dynasty and, and why? I mean, I kind of alluded to mine. Mine's the balanced approach. Mine is I don't want to be that guy with sitting there with five quarterbacks and then nobody wants to do business. I'd rather build my balanced balanced roster right off the bat. And then I can go looking and shopping around or people can come shopping and I can get more needs or address things. Um, what about you, Will? What type of approach do you like to take? Yeah, I, you know, we talked about it in terms of draft strategy. It is it is pretty fluid. I would say that I tend to over index on running back heavy teams, locking in the uh, that running back kind of floor production and building your team around those young running backs. But when I look at my successful rosters over the last few years, they are also teams that have hit on breakout wide receivers and wide receivers that can put up consistent production. So I kind of this season for me in Dynasty is a real I think it's going to be a real formative season to really solidify my my strategy. I've been able to hit on these later wide receivers like Justin Jefferson, uh, AJ Brown that have really broken out. Um, so my strategy might be might be changing, but you know I kind of have a type in terms of the players that I seek in rookie drafts. They are you know young breakout age with. Uh, hyper uh, hyper athleticism. Uh, Barrios might be uh, an exception to to that to that rule. So my uh, my strategy is always changing. I like again to have that floor of the oh, floor of the I, RBs and then um, high upside uh, wide receivers and then key, a quarterback. You got to draft them. I feel that you've got to draft them in the rookie draft to really get value. You're not trading for a quarterback and not pay like Jimmy giving up a second rounder for um, God love him. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex Smith, Alex Smith. Right. But that's not a way to play. You've got, you've got to bank on, especially in Superflex. You got to bank on those um, late later round guys and, and build them out from there. Like this year in Superflex, you know, everybody should be, Iron up Mond and and Mills of really late guys that if they hit and even Zach and even Zach Wilson right Zach Wilson continues to slide down drafts man I'm not saying that he's gonna be the next Mahomes but what if he is you know those are the kind of shots those are the kind of shots that you've got to take and later on in the drafts that will pay some 
some really big dividends uh, for you. So I guess for each position, I have a Kyle Trask. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's boy, <laughs> Jimmy's boy. Yeah, my um, boy. <laughs> but no, taking- I, I agree. I agree with you, Will. Though, like, I mean, last year, I, I mean, Jalen I know it's best. Yeah, like there's last year for me, like you do have to think about that, but at the same point, you have to make sure you don't wait too long because in the CNCCBL last year, I know that's best ball, but I waited because I was like, look at this value dropping to me. And I ended up with <laughs> one quarterback, Eddie Bridgewater. Yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. two so, gloves. <laughs> two gloves. Thank God, two gloves, but that doesn't fill a yeah. super flex spot. But, um, <laughs> You still, I think Connor, didn't you, did you win a week last year? I think you did. Did you? I I, I won a couple of weeks. I didn't do bad. Like the value (laughs) and the the running backs and the wide receivers, they were just coming to me. (laughs) But I I agree with you though. Like you do have to, like, it doesn't hurt to take those quarterbacks late and take the shot. Sam Darnold is like a darling right now as well that people are going after late because yeah, it was Adam Gaze, is Adam Gaze to blame potentially, but like sometimes people are expecting so much more. Like you say the next Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't even have to be the next Patrick no, Mahomes. Exactly. If you, you can be the be, next Kirk Cousins and be successful. Look at Kirk. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is a great, good one. There's great there's value that, for super flex right there. Kirk Cousins, I must say. There's some that aren't sexy, but they do the trick. They, 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 they do the trick. They give you, they help you out. If you got your value at running back and wide receiver and tight end, they, they, they help you. If you're, they're getting you 16 to 20 points a week and you have a couple of them, then that that's all you need sometimes, especially in super flex. You don't necessarily need Patty Mahomes who's averaging 25 to 30 a week because what did, what did you give up to draft him instead? Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, what are they averaging? What are they going to do? Obviously, their lifespan is less, but that also alludes to the importance of making sure you get the right running backs and get in the bell cow running backs if if they still exist, which they're few and far between right now. So it's those types of things. They don't have to be the next Patrick Mahomes. I know you guys laugh at me because I like Derek Carr. But whatever, at the end of the day... (laughs) You can get him. You can get him really late, and he'll give you your 15 points or your 16, 17 points because he's just he's a safe quarterback. Sometimes you can just go for the safe and just be safe, and that's what you get with the later ones. So, I think Kirk Cousins is a better example so, than Carr. So, but that's a, that's a great point, though, Connor. That is yeah. a great point about Derek Carr. I mean, he does give you the points. He is safe. He's a safe floor. That kind of okay. That kind of goes with like my strategy here with like. Do I force QBs? Most likely because teams like in drafts just don't – players just don't value them yet accordingly. So that's what I'm taking. But the mistake I find a lot of people do if they do take the four or five quarterbacks is they're trying to get the top value for your Kirk Cousins, for your Ryan Tannehills, for your Derek Cars. That's not the way you do it. You hit your high-end quarterbacks, your Pat Mahomes in your round one. You hit your whatever in round two. Like you hit your high-end quarterbacks and like say you hit five in a row because I've done that before. The ones you're trading are the first three rounders. Those are the guys you're trading for your value, and you're hoping that your Ryan Tannehills and your Kirk Cousins are going to fill out your roster. You know what I mean? Like you're going to flip Pat Mahomes for uh, Alvin Kamara and a fucking tight top wide receiver and plus a pick. That's what you're going to do, and you're going to hope that later round pick or that pick next year is also going to hit and keep building. You can't get that value from from your Derek Carr. You can't draft Derek Carr in round eight. Hey, and thank expect you. Expect to command the same value. 
Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. When when Connor was talking through that as as well, that's what hit me. It's like you draft. I guess this is my this is forming in my head. You draft for upside. You draft for upside, and if you need the floor players, you trade for them. At least that's my strategy. That is my strategy in Dynasty. I draft for upside always, and if I need the the Jamison Crowders of the world, I will trade for them because they're cheap. Right or the hunter because I know that Connor loves Derek Carr and Derek Carr loves Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro will be free forever, right? Like slot wide receivers that get you the nine ten points um, every week. You can trade for those those guys and it's uh, cheap. Um, I think Connor got a special piece of uh, of mail that just came into uh, his email inbox. I absolutely did. A, a nice Scott Fishbowl invite live on the air. So that's pretty awesome. Definitely. So that makes the show a little bit better, right? <laughs> it's that cool to have Scott, Scott Fish awesome. come aboard and check us out too, by the way. Shout out to everyone who's, who's listening and watching right now. Could um, I, I just I just want to take a minute to, to just talk about Scott for like just, just for a little bit. This guy is absolutely incredible what he has built with the Scott Fish Bowl and what he does for the community. I mean, I'm trying to align a hundred, a hundred teams. I'm just like, whoa, jumping, <laughs> jumping. And, and Scott's doing that with 3000 people from all over the world. I mean, hats off to him. He's an absolute saint in our industry and just does so much. So thanks Scott. Um, really appreciate everything that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely a shout out to him. A shout out to all the commissioners who were trying to run big leagues like that, like you guys are doing, because it is, I, I took over commissioning a couple leagues this year and I could just commissioning 12 people is, is like, holy crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Jim, I think I don't, I, let's see, what else did we have on this? Okay. Well, we can't, we've kind of alluded to everything that we talked about. Um, what players are most Garner? important. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. We already kind of All right, on that's, that's what I, yeah. And after All we right. do the 100 yarder for the two eight by tens, we'll hit some uh, gold and fool's gold. Um, so they those, are. The those are the Taylor. eight by tens. Oh, the There's the JT, uh, Wisconsin eight by 10. There's the T Higgins uh, eight by 10. Thanks to everybody that's donated. Uh, Food for Kids Niagara is a pretty important local charity to me. Uh, they make sure kids, you know, don't go to school hungry. Uh, even right now with Corona, they're making sure they're doing weekly donations to these uh, certain kids. They're under uh, the umbrella of Food for Kids Ontario, which is, I think they got Hamilton, Guelph, uh, Niagara, and Mississauga, I, be I believe. Those are the four. But, like, yeah, you might not look at it to look at me. I'm kind of a bigger guy, but, you know, um, always need to make sure, like, these kids get food. Um, I there was a time where that was a little bit uh, hard for me. So I, I always try to make sure that that's taken care of. So without further ado, let's share the screen. Here we go. And Jim, Jim, we has the lag to start every show. He's now going to share a screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Hold on a second. We probably should have practiced this a couple times before we went live. Oh, I, got it. I got it. All right. I got it all. <laughs> Jimmy, do I still have time to enter or what? Uh, actually entered for you okay, because I'm gonna donate right uh, now. you gave us the CNLL spell. Okay. All right. Right. So you see this? 
Yep, we got so this. we got this actually six dudes in here. We got Dave, we got Will, we got Spence, we got Omega, we got Colin, and we got Jeff. Some of these guys are a lot closer to me, so the shipping will be easier. <laughs> Some of these guys are farther away, but we're gonna we're gonna get this go. So I'm gonna shuffle it one more time. There we go. Shuffled eight times with my lucky number. Here we Love go. It. Unlock the lock adjustments. Nope. Nobody, nobody gets a higher chance. We'll go a little fast. There we go. Yeah, no one. So no went one normal, and they were they were they looked like they all bummed legs out. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Ready? Good luck to everybody. Here we go. And let the dash begin. Three, two, one. Well, well, these guys are running. I guess we'll shout out Viridian Global since we got Will on here with us as well. Um, shout out to Viridian Global and everything that they do at Viridian Global on Twitter, ViridianGlobal.com. You can buy your Scott Fish Bowl gear there. Oh, look at Omega go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> gotta, gotta get our sponsorship in here while we can. Sorry. I appreciate that, guys. Oh, look at Jeff. He's coming in. He's coming in. Sorry, I was trying to do the donation while I was, uh, was doing oh, this. And oh, Will. Will. Oh, it's Come evil. on. <laughs> Will wins. Come on. Well, Will wins. JT. Wow. We did that. Wow. Come on. Love it. Dave looks that like he so blew cool. out a leg. <laughs> okay, now, now gonna, I got to get this. Now this, I got to get this donation. I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this for Dave's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Dave was struggling. He was he was stuck way back there. Oh boy, that was that was tough to watch for Dave's sake. Oh, but man. Uh, I feel bad for you, Dave. Um, I'm gonna reach out to you. I got something for you too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> is that is, is that Toronto, Dave? It is yeah, Toronto, Toronto Dave. Dave. Okay, so how about this? He he. Oh no! Uh, sorry, that's uh that's FF Monsters. Sorry, that's FF Monsters. Hey, Bittescombe. Okay, how about how about this then? I take I'll take T and then he can have JT. Oh, for, for pulling a hammy in the 100 yard dash, he gets like consolation prize. Look at that. What a nice guy. That's all up to you, Will man. These are yours to to do with what as all you right, will. Buddy. Well we can we can figure that out. Let me let me get this donation done and uh Absolutely. Well, while you finish up that donation, Jim, anything else you want to add for the How To Dynasty before we get into some Golden Fools gold? No, we touched on everything from uh, what kind of strategy you want to how you're going to draft uh, startups to rookie drafts differently, leveraging your rookie picks. We kind of touched on there. We I gave you a very bad example on what is Dynasty. You thank God you guys touched that up for me. Um, yeah, we got we got it all. And I think this show definitely shows there is no wrong way to do dynasty. There's just a whole lot of different ways to do dynasty. And as much as much as people may go back and forth on uh Twitter about how to do dynasty or, or what what's the best way to do it or what you should like do, it. it's it's not always necessarily there is no one way to do it. And this is this we kind of alluded to it at the start of the episode, and now we're kind of coming back around there, Jim. That 
you know, it, it's so unique and everyone can do it their own way. There's so many different strategies. There's so many different ways to use your picks, to use your players, to look at high upside, to look at ceilings, to look at floors and to build in your roster. So, I mean, as much as there's a lot of back and forth, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Everybody has a different way of how they want to do it, whether they want to do when they're doing a rebuild, how they do a rebuild and stuff like that. Um, I know Will is is dealing with uh, his, his well, kid there, but if you have something else, there's a that little bit of wrong ways, right? Like I've seen some, I've seen some guys that try to implement some strategies that just don't work, right? Like that's definitely this a wrong is, way to die, I guess, but it's fine. I, I mean, like, you're gotta true. learn and you gotta stay liquid, right? Like, Oh man, I wish, I wish there was a show when I started, like I've been in a couple dynasty leagues. Uh, longest one I've been in has been 12 years. Um, but I wish there was a show like this to try to tell me, because it took me a good three years to recover from my startup draft that, you know, I just tanked in it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was reaching for players. I was, tra- I was trading away future picks, didn't really know the value. Um, it took me a good two, three years to, to get that team on track. But Definitely. And I know Will is actually heading something with the True North Fantasy Football crew with the how to written series that is definitely something to keep your eye out for here in the future i know there's some really good content and some really good creators content creators um behind the whole operation of how to do a lot of things um so that is uh, definitely a lot of fun but i agree when i first started out i started out with redrafts some redrafts morphed into these dynasty leagues and I agree. I wish at some point, like it's become such a big thing now where, where the, where Twitter is at, where podcasting is at, that there's so many different opinions. There's so many different ways to go about doing dynasty now. Like I wish a lot of this stuff existed back then as well for me and making that transition because I kind of just transitioned myself from redraft leagues right into dynasty leagues. And then I started listening to podcasts. I kind of did things like ask backwards. Um, and, and, but then I finally got going and now I'm in a whole bunch of leagues and I'm having fun with it and I'm implementing different strategies and it is, it's a lot of fun. Dynasty is super fun. I know in through the how to series, we've heard of a lot of different things like best ball leagues and how fun they can be redraft leagues and how fun they can be. But perhaps there's none that are as consistent as a dynasty league. Dynasty leagues can last for as long or as short as you want them to last. People come, people go. But I've been in a league for six years now, my home league, and there's been very few people leave. It's kind of like the community, the fun that you get. You get in these group chats. Dynasty is something that just constantly is a constant in your life because it's going on year round and it keeps you constantly your attention on football. So I love Dynasty. As as much as I've we've had Scott on to talk DFS, we had some of the best best ball guys that we know on try and they're talking about it and selling it and that's their their baby, their love. Dynasty is, is my love from a fantasy football perspective for sure. Um, Will, you're back. Anything you want to add to the to the dynasty discussion? Naked naked baby is out. Um, <laughs> yeah, just to, just to just to, just to touch on what what you guys were saying. I think that you know there's so many resources out there, and the community is really good at embracing embracing it. You know, we're going to be putting out some uh, how to contents with True North that definitely you should check out once it's launched. But the community is great. I think that 
you sh there should be more kind of beginner leagues, kind of how to um, how to uh, <laughs> how it's to okay. Well, <laughs> how, how to how to dynasty, and you know everybody is approachable and and open, and there's so many great resources for people. And just try it, give it a give it a shot. You know, um, you don't necessarily have to give up your season long league. Why not do a dynasty league as well with your with your season long uh, uh, friends and friends and family, right? So it's a it doesn't necessarily be that you have to give up your season long. Uh, you but, can do. You can definitely mix dynasty with a lot. Like you can mix it with best ball. You can mix it with redrafts. You can mix it with DFS. You can mix it with all because it's something that's constantly going year round. So like you're saying, Will, I definitely agree on that point. I'll give one piece of advice real quick. And that's uh, for, for dynasty that I found really makes you a better player is like find like five or six guys that you really, really trust. Maybe it's seven, whatever, but like, I find a lot of guys will join like just a massive group and just like kick off ideas and that, and that's great. Um, I found that, but like have like your solid inner circle, like five, six guys that you really trust that like you can hone your skills on and be like, man, like, what do you think of this trade? What do you think of this? Like, how is your value on this? Like there's been times like, I, okay. Perfect example last year, man. Like I need to get real damn from Irv Smith. Like I was taking them everywhere. And there's a couple guys are like, yo, like, Jimmy, man, you got like 20 shares of this dude, like back off. Like if he busts, he busts, like leave, leave, leave him. Right. Like you need those guys to, to keep you balanced. And that really made me a better uh, dynasty player is finding those five, six guys that, that I can really bounce my ideas off of and be like, listen, is this, am I crazy for thinking this? Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good point, Jim. I mean, I, I went the opposite route when I started playing dynasty with like complete, complete total strangers, but it would have been nice to be there with people that would say, yeah, that's not such a great idea. Will, or maybe you should do this. Um, I like to learn things the hard way though, but I think that certainly it's a lot, um, it's a lot less intimidating to do it with people that you know, and that you, that you trust. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap things up, we'll do a quick gold and fool's gold session before everybody uh, goes. Um, so Jim, we'll start with you. Who in dynasty is a gold? We'll start with a quarterback gold, name a gold quarterback for dynasty and a fool's gold quarterback for dynasty. All right. You know, I'm just going to pick the lowest of fruit for you, Connor. Uh, I kind of chirped you a little bit on it. I didn't want to do this, but Connor kind of talked me into it. For dynasty purposes, it's the guy tied to the team for 10 years. It's Pat Mahomes. We'll see what he has to do. Um, full on, that was not the guy I was going to pick, but that's okay. Uh, for fool's gold, uh, for thing, for <clears throat> dynasty, it's it's Sam Darnold. If if you're still buying the guy, I think I think it's fool's gold. Um, I know, I know the history of quarterbacks that have left Gase and success. I'll just leave it at that. There's other guys around his ADP that I know can perform. What about you, Will? Yeah, in terms of quarterback, it's really tough to uh, mess with gold like Patrick Mahomes. I think that he, you know, he's got the Midas touch. He's got that long contract. He's got an offense that revolves around him. He's he's pretty tough to mess with. Um, if I'm going to go a little bit further on the West Coast and and get in a little bit earlier and not quite the uh, price and ADP, I think that what's what's happening in uh, Los Angeles for Justin Herbert is also something to watch. 
And I think that Herbert's going to be gold improved O-line, um, you know, um, built in, built in trust uh, with his wide receivers. He's going to have a healthy Eckler. So that outlet option in the, in the run game, I think that we haven't even seen the best of Justin Herbert and it was pretty damn special in year one, wasn't it? Definitely. Absolutely. What about a fool's gold? Oof, there is, um, there's, I mean, there's Darnold, a few. Darnold is a great example. I, you know, people keep doing this corollary to Tannehill. I don't know, man. Um, Tannehill had some streaks that he put together that were much more impressive than what Darnold did. Right. And like, um, people keep talking about Darnold not having, you know, not having the weapons and things like that. I don't know. I, th- I don't think that Darnold gets off scot-free in this whole Gase experience. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does in Carolina. I think that Carolina might regret uh, not not taking a quarterback in this draft, especially uh, seeing seeing what Fields can do. So I don't want to I don't want to repeat. So um, in terms of in terms of fool's gold. It's it's tough to go somebody that's not Sam Tarnold though. Like who, um, you know? There's nobody else that kind of the hype is around. You know, um, Lamar the glimmers kind of came off a bit again, but he still has a like for fantasy football purposes, he's still going to put up prolific numbers. I think one. I guess this is my fool's gold, and I'm going to caveat it a bit. It's going to be Jalen Hurts. I'm going to say that Jalen Hurts is going to have a prolific season this year, 100%. You know, if you if you got Jalen Hurts last season, like his ADP was, you know, he was an afterthought in drafts, right? If you have him on your team, let him play into the season because he's going to be good. He's going to be good. We're going to see a Lamar-type corollary until defenses start figuring out what the Eagles are doing and where uh, Jalen Hurts can't play football. So there's a little bit of fool's gold, but also from a dynasty perspective, get ready, get ready to cash out on Hertz because he's going to have a hell of a season, but be, be aware. Yeah. As, as aware. an Eagles fan, and if you've ever tuned into the gold jacket podcast, um, you've probably heard me discount Jalen Hertz a few times um, because I would probably, I would tend to agree that same way. If some of the stuff we saw as Eagles fans last year continues this year, like his, his faulty completion percentage and stuff, that's definitely going to come back to bite you because you can have all the mobility in the world. But if you're only completing 50, 55% of your passes week in and week out, that's not exactly QB one fantasy football material. So I do see, see what you're seeing well in that department. Um, running back. Gold fools gold. We'll start with you, Will. Um, yeah, with with gold, it's uh, for for right now. It is very very tough to me- mess with Jonathan Taylor. You know, not only is he still, you know, there's a bit of a discount. I, I've seen I've seen his price and ADP kind of getting out of control um, uh, lately. But certainly, you know, where you're getting him in rookie drafts last year or in startups. Um, makes a, makes a lot of sense. You look at their line there. Their line is still, you know, one of the best in the league. They built around that O line. Um, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit concerned. Uh, you know, where what the passing game is going to do. They didn't add anybody significant, but does that just mean that JT is just going to pound the rock um, into oblivion? I I would like to think so. Everything is set up for JT. I think he is absolutely the real deal. We saw as his volume increased down the stretch. 
He was a producer. He was a week winner and he was a championship winner for fantasy football teams down the stretch. So my, uh, my gold 100% is Jonathan Taylor. And I agree, like from the standpoint of like, whether you like Carson Wentz or not, he, he can, <laughs> he can move in the pocket. He can open up the, the field. And I think that's huge for Jonathan Taylor because Philip Rivers was not opening up a damn thing for you last year. So when you see a guy yeah. who can move in the pocket and can be mobile, that just opens up so many more avenues for guys like Miles Sanders with Jalen Hurts coming in, Jonathan Taylor with Carson Wentz coming in, those types of situations. The, um, the other the other side of the ball, sorry, just talk about I love talking about JT. I don't know if you can see he's in the background there. Yeah, he's over my he's over my other shoulder there. Um <laughs> The other thing about Indy that nobody talks about is that they've got a transcendent defensive unit as well, right? So that plays in well to a strong running game. So you're talking about a top five O-line and a top five defense. What are they going to do? They're going to play low risk football when they get a lead and they're going to pound that. They're going to pound the game home on the, uh, on the ground. We're, you know, I, I really believe in that. So strong defense, strong O-line and an amazing talent, Jonathan Taylor. What about fool's gold? Oh, this is too easy for me. Um, I, we, we talked about this team a little bit earlier, and that's the Chicago Bears and David Montgomery. I oh. mean, um, the, 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 one, the one caveat that I'll give with Montgomery, though, is that I've never been a fan of the talent. This year, though, when you're looking at him in terms of where he's going in startups and in season long, there is a bit of a discount there, which is interesting. But if you are buying into the production that won fantasy football leagues last season, at the end of the season, you're going to be sad. You're going to be disappointed this year in a couple different reasons. Montgomery had the um, easiest um, run defense schedule down the stretch. The other thing that the Monty truthers don't like to talk about is, well, what did Monty do to you do for you until the fantasy football playoffs? Because if you drafted him at a third round draft capital, man, there was weeks where he was, you know, he was not, he was certainly not an RB one, not even an RB two in terms of production. If you were able to weather the storm and be able to play him down the stretch, absolutely. He was a league winner, but with your running backs, you want that floor production that gets you to the playoffs and not have to, you know, and uh, so that's where with Monty, uh, the other kind of factors with Monty that makes him fool's gold. We're going to have Tariq Cohen back for a full season. We also, we also have Damian Williams there, who's a capable running back. And I might add, should have won the Super Bowl MVP as well, which he didn't, who is fresh off of a, a year off, right? Um, he's going to eat into touches, right? And if Monty falters, I think that Damian Williams sees more of more of a role there. So Montgomery, you know, if you can get him out of value, he's still the he's still the number one back there. Um, but Tariq Cohen's gonna gonna eat into his volume, as is Damian Williams. So fool's gold for me is uh, Monty, David love Montgomery it. from Chicago. I love it. Definitely some good words there, Jim. Gold, fool's gold at the running back. So my gold is gonna be JT, but like, well, I don't want to double up on it. So I'm actually gonna go with a guy that. Um, Seems to have flipped with the with the Swift CEH hype. It was 
Swift ahead of him, and then it was CEH, and now it seems to be Swift again. I'm actually going to go with CEH, and for some excellent points that were brought up in an article by um, on the Ball Blast website where DeAndre Swift is going into a completely new situation, new quarterback, new head coach, new schemes, new offensive coordinator. Everything is changing with him. CEH is walking into the only thing different is he's getting offensive lineman back in, in the doctor, Laurent Tardif. Um, they got rid of Eric Fisher, but he's stepping into the best quarterback, one of the best uh, head coaches in the NFL right now with Andy Reid. I know some people would rather retire than play for him, but uh, CEH sure would, sure would love to play with him. And the fact that he had, I think it was five or six touchdowns called back on – plays that weren't even to his side that he was running on. For example, the, the hole was to the right and the play call was a hold on the left tackle that had nothing to do with him getting open. Shows like people are discounting saying he had a bust of a season, but he really didn't. And he's coming into, like we said, one of the, he's attached to one of the best offenses that are going to be running out of clock at, at some point you would imagine. And he's tied to, you know, touches, significant touches like who's really back they're going to take taken away from him not not too many people so and the fact i was amazed you can get him in the fifth round in startups what about fool's gold uh fool's gold i hate to say this to you connor for me it's miles sanders there's a lot of hype on him being the rb1 uh in rb1 categories i don't like what philly's doing i don't like that even though they're saying they're going to give him more pass catching. And that's again, leading really towards PPR for me. Uh, they brought in a pass catching back in Kenneth Gainwell. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I like, I like Miles Sanders. If his value was to drop a little bit, Miles Sanders is my RB two. No problem. Miles Sanders as, as my RB one. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of, and, and that's hey, don't you don't get, get me him. wrong. I know I know Smokey thinks I'm being shit on, but let, let me tell you one thing. I think Gainwell's gonna eat into Miles Sanders a lot more than people think. And like following a lot of like beat reporters in Philadelphia and listening to a lot of Philadelphia podcasts and stuff. There's this is if you listen to actual like actionable intel from the camps and stuff and from the, the draft room and stuff. It's not far-fetched to think that Gainwell will but eat in majorly to the touches of Miles Sanders. A lot more than Miles Sanders owners want to admit, but that's where you have to have that connection going back to Dynasty of, you know, realizing real NFL, real life versus fantasy and what a team is thinking about doing. You don't draft Kenneth Gainwell, a pass catching back in the fifth round, and he's just going to sit on your bench or take 20% of touches. Like, I, I don't believe it. And there's been a lot that I've been reading and a lot that I've been listening to and, and seeing that alludes to that. And listen, as long as Philly, as long as the Eagles win or, you know, do something uh, that looks like a win uh, or a step in the right direction, that's all that matters to me. The, the fantasy value of Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell or any Eagle, don't worry about it. It's all about Super Bowl at the end of the year that we're not going to get for a couple more years, but I digress. Um, Jim, we'll go to you for wide receivers. Um, fool, gold, fool's gold, wide receivers. So for me, the gold in the, in the wide receiver room is going to be CeeDee Lamb. He's got a nice perceived dip in value. He's getting Dak Prescott back. Uh, he's going to get, and he's tied to Dak Prescott for a while. He's not tied to Amari Cooper. I don't think he's going to be there long term. 
but I like I like the dip in value on him that, that you can get right now with CD Lamb, and I think he is going to be at least like a top ten wide receiver, I would say, this year. If he gets a if he gets a fully healthy Dak Prescott with a nice uh, Ezekiel Elliott, that's an, another guy we that gets shit on, even though nothing's changed in the situation. Just people have gotten healthier this year. Fool's gold. Fool's gold for me would be Chris Godwin, and it hates to say it because I love Chris Godwin, but the fact of the matter is that pie is getting divvied up a lot smaller than I really want to. I know Tom Brady does have an insane QBR rating when he's targeting Godwin, and I love him, but there's Mike Evans there in the red zone. He seems to be targeting Gronk, even though I know he's older or whatever, but it's just for me. Then there's Antonio Brown. Like There's too many pieces of this pie for me to be – relying on him and i know we're talking dynasty so it's not just this year but i think those players are going to be thorns in his side for quite a long time and then if they're not you have to and i'm a big fan of kyle trask but i don't know what he's going to do in the nfl and so i like, know that even they're... in two years when he gets it i have no idea of his chemistries with, with chris goblin but his his value right now which you can get for him i'd be cashing out and I know that there's a lot of people who are amazed by what they were able to do with the salary cap and that the salary cap's going to go up and keeping their all 22 starters together. But don't get this twisted. That's not going to last forever. Some of these guys are going to want to get paid. And Chris Godwin was one of those guys who hasn't gotten his payday yet. So that's the only thing to look out for from a dynasty perspective is how long he's tied to Tom Brady and Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. Um, well, Gold fools gold on the wide receiver side. So my, I'm just, I'm just gonna double down. My gold is Chris Godwin <laughs> for, um, for some of the, for some of the reasons Jimmy just talked about. There's this ambiguity right now on who's going to get uh, targets in in Tampa. So that's depressing the value of Mike Evans and depressing the value of Godwin and uh, Antonio Brown is basically free. Who am I going to take? I'm going to take the wide receiver who's the youngest at just over 25 that's chris godwin he plays out of the slot we know brady targets the top slot receiver and you know when chris godwin got healthy down the stretch he was seeing a serious target volume he was only behind tyree kill in terms of uh pass uh receiving yards right in the uh in the in the playoffs i believe um he was a he was a force to be reckoned with uh, down the stretch once he got healthy. Um, I think that the time now is to is to buy Godwin, and I think that he continues to soak up the volume. I mean, Gronk. Um, uh, what? How much? How much did Gronk play out of the slot this year? I mean, he was used a lot in line to to block. I'd be curious to know how much uh, how much time he actually saw in the slot. Because Godwin certainly that's where he operates. Um, he operates mostly like he even even though he missed time, he still ranked. Um, he saw almost sixty percent of the slots, fifty five percent of his um, snaps in the slot. That was seventeenth in the league. So you would think over a full season that you would you'd be top five. And we know that Brady loves the loves the target that uh, that slot. And you know I love that hyper athleticism of of Godwin. So I think that he's a buy low gold candidate that will give you a really solid consistency for five six years which is which is awesome yeah and i dropped a tweet a while back about the tampa bay pass game and from the week nine where uh i think it was week nine where antonio brown came in three teams 
had at least two receivers in the top 24. Only one of those three teams had three, and that was Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had three top 24 receivers from Antonio Brown's arrival till the end of the season. And I know that we discount week 17, whatever it is, what it is. From that arrival point to week 17, they were, and they were, it was a fair target. Two of them saw an average of seven targets. One of them saw an average tar- of six targets. And that was Antonio Brown who saw the six, but it was like 7.8, 7.5, and 6.8. Like, clearly you can see where the pie is, where the P, the three guys who were getting the biggest piece of the pie in the passing game. Um, fool's gold, Will? This is... Uh... Anybody that knows that knows True North or have heard me on many podcasts, um, and especially for Dynasty, it, for me, it's Cooper Cup. It is a guy that in Dynasty, he is a floor player. He does not have upside. He is an absolute floor floor player. I mean, if you're if you're paying for the floor, that's fine. But just know that the upside, there's no upside that will be unlocked for Cooper Cup. Um, with Drew Stafford or anybody else, he will consistently be a 20 uh, WR 20 to 25 every single season. And people continue to think that there's going to be more that we're going to unlock this upside of Cooper cup. Not going to happen, Trav. It's not going to happen, Travis seal. We're not going <laughs> to see any more upside. So I'm, I'm kidding around a bit. I, I like, uh, I like cup. I'm actually hard pressed, you know, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but we are lucky as fantasy players. Um, and this has been unprecedented. The amount of talent that we've had at the wide receiver position and the amount of talent that has adjusted and acclimatized quickly to the NFL. Like, you know, remember the days that it was like three, four years before we had a breakout wide receiver. And now we've had, you know, two consistent rookie classes where there wasn't just one breakout, but we're talking about three or four different, um, different players. So, um, joking aside, one player that I absolutely love that is a little bit of fool's gold and there's a little bit of, you know, um, watch what you see here is with Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. And I say this because he commanded significant target volume with two of their top passing options out. George Kittle, who is 100% their top passing option, and also Debo Samuel, who's a very similar player to Brandon Ayuk that is going to be coming back and fully healthy. And like every year, we're also back on the jail and herd hype train as well. So I love the talent of Brandon Ayuk, but this is a run first offense, right? And you got to kind of put it in perspective that there's a bit of fool's gold around, uh, around air Ayuk. Yeah, I completely agree. I posted a while ago and shout out to Rotoviz and their game splits app. These splits when Kittle is in for Ayuk and when Kittle is out are very, very eye-popping. Just saying. Like we're talking immense. We're talking like 10 10 PPR points almost uh, difference when in and when not in the lineup for George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. So definitely something to uh, keep your eyes on this year and the direction of that team. Um, Tight end since we've been kind of alluding to Kittle and we'll wrap this up quick, Jim gold fools, gold tight end. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is my gold tight end uh, for dynasty. I know everyone's probably expecting me to go Kelsey and I do expect Kelsey to be the tight end one this year. But again, we're talking dynasty. I don't expect him to be a tight end one for the next three years. Cause I mean, that would put him at eight and that, I don't, that's just 
ridiculous. I'm not the biggest believer in Kittle's 100% health rate, and Waller is up there in the age too. So I'm not all aboard the Pitts train yet without seeing a snap for Dynasty, but I am all aboard the guy who's going right behind him, and that's TJ Hawkinson. He's shown to produce, like you said, they're rebuilding, but who they got? They got DeAndre Swift. They got TJ Hawkinson. Then they got a lot of really dart throw guys. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm for it. I'm not the biggest fan of golf, but you know, short area pass. I like Hawkinson. What about Fool's Gold? For Fool's Gold, it is Logan Thomas. I think there's going to be a lot of people chasing right now. Uh, the hype for him. He is. I think it might have actually been Tyrell McLaughlin there that that called him the the new man's Gary Barnage. So <laughs> the, the barnyard dog. <laughs> so like that's, I see a lot of people chasing his, his value and uh, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I agree on Logan Thomas. Like how much of that value was tied to Alex Smith and his inability to throw a ball beyond 10 yards. That's a true Amen. question. Um, <laughs> uh, well, tight end golden yeah. fools gold. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a better kind of uh, gold in the tight end position that hasn't, that isn't uh, Travis Kelsey. It's got to be T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, this is this got this has got breakout written all over it. Um, you know that that passing game that they're going to have in Detroit, um, they've got limited passing options. Hawkinson and Swift are the one and two options there, right? They're the best options for golf. Hell, we saw we saw Goff make Tyler Higby relevant. Remember that, guys? You remember yes, that? Yep. Um, yep. You want to talk? You want to talk about <laughs> fools gold? Uh, Higby is the absolute uh, epitome of fools gold. So Hawkinson, just so many different things. We look at the trajectory of breakout tight ends. He's coming into his third year in the league. You know, he's going to be one of the top options there. I love Hawkinson. I think that he's absolute gold, and he's. And he's at a discount, you know, people aren't, people aren't paying for his upside right now. Um, I think that, you know, Goddard is, Goddard is really similar as well. Uh, Goddard's a bit later, but I would also be comfortable um, building my team around uh, Goddard. Uh, For, for fools, um, for fools gold at the tight end position, it's such a, you know, between tight end five and tight end 20, we're talking a few points. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking uh, just a few points. So it's tough for me to really nail down uh, one guy that everybody is super hyped on because they all could have such a big, big range of outcomes, you know, uh, from for these for these tight ends. Uh, jumpins. Um, I might have to I might have to pass this one. I had somebody, but uh, I it slipped my mind right now, boys. Sorry, it's a big so, Bob Tanyan. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, Bobby Tanya. I got it. I got it. It's um, and this is more contingent. Sorry, it just it just hit me. Um, is where Mark Andrews continues to go in drafts. It's I like the I like the talent. I really dislike the volume situation in Baltimore. That breakout season that he had, there was a couple different things that were going on. He saw such a high uh, percentage of his um, snaps in the slot. He was he's an absolute dom. He absolutely dominates out of the slot, 
We've seen more wide receivers there in Baltimore, and we haven't seen a fluctuation in that passing volume whatsoever. It still continues to be uh, one of the lowest passing volumes. And, you know, last season they said, yeah, we're going to throw more. Lamar's going to throw more. He didn't throw more. So, you know, instead of Mark, instead of Mark Andrews, wait another round, get Hawkinson, wait two rounds, three rounds, get Goddard. Um, it's not about the talent. It's more about the situation there with Mark Andrews. He's got that glimmer of uh, fool's gold on him. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the concept that we need to bring in more receiving weapons because the ones we have aren't working does not play it's, well to Mark Andrews. It's, and it's, and it's not true though, right? Like we look at Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are, are efficient when they get the ball. They need to get the ball more than six times a game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, elite Travis Kelsey's elite. Travis Kelsey also averages what? 14 targets a game. About give or take. <laughs> right. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, for, for Mark Andrews to be elite, I think that he needs elite level volume. And I don't think that's happening in Baltimore. Definitely. No. I love it. This is, this was great. This was absolutely awesome. Will, thank you so much. First of all, thank you to the listeners and the viewers, the listeners who will start listening to the podcast next Monday or whenever Jim drops it. Um, uh, please, yeah, please, <laughs> please rate and review it wherever you listen and comment on anything that we might be able to improve of this show. Um, can't guarantee we will do it, but we will do our best. Um, Will, thank you so much. He can be found on Twitter at It's Harris Time. He's doing some awesome work for CNCCBL. And as you know, we will be giving away a spot for that in the coming weeks. Keep your eyes out for that. And he's doing some great work uh, at Viridian Global. Uh, it looks like I'll have to potentially consider buying a Scott Fishbowl shirt now after what happened during this, this show. So, um, and make sure you check us out, Jim at Goldjack QBs, me at Connor10 T-E-N on Twitter. And I forgot to shout out the entire crew, the True North Fantasy Football crew to start the show at True North FFB on Twitter, truenorthffb.com. There's a site reboot coming very soon. And um, I, th- I don't know. I can't remember everything. We're all over the place. We're on um, TikTok oh, YouTube. Yeah, TikTok, whatever. We're TNFF <laughs> Network on YouTube. Make sure to check us out there so you don't miss anything. We are going to have five, Monday to Friday, five shows in season this year. So you're going to want to make sure you check out all of those. Um, and next week, we are diving into auction drafts with uh, the Fantasy Ladder, uh, Steve. So that's going to be a good episode. I, uh, me and Jim know very little, if anything at all, about auction drafts. So that's going to be a good episode next week. Um, but until then, everybody, see you next Tuesday.